Well, let me welcome you to our morning devotions here on Palm Sunday at Stevenson High Kirk in North Ayrshire. This morning we're joined by our dear friend, Reverend Alan Ford. Well, as we enter Holy Week, why not join us on Thursday night at Livingston Parish Church at 7pm, where I'll be leading in a joint communion service. And then we share in our Good Friday service here at the High Kirk at 730 Well, can I also give you a special invitation to join us next week on Easter Sunday at 10.30am. We're especially looking forward to worshipping together as we celebrate and rejoice in Christ, our risen Saviour and victorious King. We will also be lifting the restrictions on the wearing of masks. Well, for those who feel still a wee bit uncomfortable with the removal of all the restrictions, please know that we have kept our gallery area as a safe place where restrictions will still remain. Well, in Psalm 99, we read in the opening lines, The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awe-inspiring name. He is holy. Well, let's worship together as we sing in our opening hymn, Rejoice the Lord is King. Rejoice the Lord is King. Choice in glorious hope, Jesus. 
Jesus, the judge shall come and take his servants up to their eternal home. We soon shall hear the angel's voice, the trumpet. Let us pray. Gracious Lord and Father, we thank you for the simple story told and retold each and every year on Palm Sunday of that ride down from Bethany and from Bethridge, down the steep Mount of Olives to Kedron Valley and then into the city of Jerusalem, the ancient city. Lord, we thank you that that story is for us and that Jesus rode down that hill and later that week to his death not in the city but just outside the city and the place called Golgotha the place of the skull and he did it all for us Lord we thank you and praise your blessed name and thank you that indeed you sent your one and only Son, that whosoever believes and trusts in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Thank you, Lord. Amen. He has come. The Son of David has come. The Messiah has come. Jerusalem expected a warrior, a conqueror, a king. To save them from Rome. Yes, to free them from Rome. But God had other plans. My kingdom is not of this world. When Christ came for you, what is it that you expected? He comes on his terms, not ours. Will you accept who he is? What he asks of us? Hosanna! What will you expect when he comes again? Behold, I am coming soon. Yes, I am coming soon. 
Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Our reading this morning is a traditional reading for Palm Sunday from Matthew chapter 21 in the first nine verses. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her coat by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfil what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Amen. Those palm branches may well have been cut from the garden that was on the Mount of Olives, the garden called Gethsemane, where on the night he was betrayed, Jesus prayed, and those olive trees were the witnesses to his torment. Of the soul. To this day those olive trees, old, old, old olive trees on the Mount of Olives are called the Witnesses. That's something very, very special, isn't it? I've lost track of the number of people who have just around the Christmas time have said to me, oh of course Minister, this is your busy time of year. Well, Actually, it isn't. The truth is, of course, that with services every night during Holy Week, it was, in fact, Holy Week that was my busy time of the year. That was before COVID lockdown, of course. But that run up to Easter was by far the busiest time of my year. Probably most stressful. And if I'm honest, I looked for a wee bit of a holiday. Uh, once Easter was by. People relax in different ways and they also prepare themselves for difficult times ahead in different ways as well. Palm Sunday for me was always a bit like Christmas. At Christmas the children would come into the, the church acting out a nativity play, telling of Jesus' birth, while on Sam, Palm Sunday, 
the children would again be in church, all dressed up, waving branches, singing Hosanna, loud Hosanna, with the same uh, donkey costume uh, pressed into service yet again. I remember when I was at university, always trying to get to bed early the night before a big exam and get a good night's sleep and rest in the hope of uh, seeing better results at the end of it all. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was a big, big day. And he spent the evening before it with friends in the little village of Bethany, just over the hill, over the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives is a very, very steep hill. Do you remember as a child when you started going down a very steep grass bank and you started running and you couldn't stop, you just had to keep going? Well, the Mount of Olives is as steep as that. You actually have to sort of lean backwards as you walk down it, even today with a, a tarred road. Anyway, Jesus spent the night with friends in the little village of Bethany. The friends weren't members of the Twelve, the, the close disciples, but they were very special friends nevertheless. They were very special to Jesus. They were friends and perhaps even more special friends since Jesus had brought one of them back to life. Lazarus, and of course his sisters Martha and Mary would be friends for life with Jesus. There were friends who loved him. It wasn't just that they were attracted mentally to his teaching. It wasn't that they wanted something from him. They had loved him. And Mary showed her love in the only way she knew how. Sometimes when we want to show love, we do something very extravagant. And Mary did that. She took a, an extravagant gift of perfume to soothe his tired feet. It was an act of love. Coupled with drying his feet with her hair were akin to the way a mother would express her love for her baby, a desire to protect him. It's probably one of the most beautiful images in the Bible. And I think that what makes it beautiful is that it's contrary to everything else we read about Jesus. Jesus' whole ministry was ministry of caring for others, for their bodies and their souls, his healing miracles, his forgiveness of sins, his rejection of the way in which the poor were being used and abused, all shows Jesus' care and love for man and woman. At the beginning of the week, which would 
and in his death. However, it's Jesus who often uses the word friend and friends when talking to people. It was Jesus this time who was on the receiving end of love, care and tenderness. He even uses the word friend to Judas when Judas comes to betray him at the foot of the Mount of Olives. It's ironic that the method of betrayal is something which would be regarded as an act of tenderness, a kiss, but is in fact an act of treachery. The only person who showed tenderness to Jesus in that last week was Mary, who acted spontaneously from the heart with a bottle of pure nard, extravagant gift. I doubt if any lady or gentleman uh, here has ever received a gift that costs the equivalent of a year's wages, and which would have been gone probably within an hour or two as the aroma of the perfume would be gone within a very short space of time. The story of our passage is simple. Jesus arrives in Jerusalem on what becomes the first Palm Sunday, just before his Friday crucifixion. Crowds who had heard of him uh, came to cheer, welcoming him as the long-awaited Messiah who would save them from their enemies and restore righteousness to Israel. Jesus riding a donkey, just as the prophet Zechariah said the Messiah would arrive in Jerusalem. The people responded by paving the path with a carpet of palm branches and cloaks befitting the arrival of a king. Hooray to the son of David, they shout. God bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And those words from Psalm 118, together with the actions of the crowd, reveal that many believed that they were witnessing the arrival of the Messiah, or at least hoped they were. And Jesus is riding on an animal which never has been ridden before. People are shouting, waving branches. The ground underfoot is littered with branches and clothes. Surely a recipe for disaster. Even a Glasgow police horse would have difficulty in those situations. Never mind an animal who has never been ridden before. It's almost as if the animal senses his maker's hands. And slowly and steadily it makes its way down the steep hill. Horses don't like steep hills. Uh, apparently it used to be a bit of a, a game in Glasgow to take a horse from a cart and take it up uh, the stairs in a tenement building in Glasgow, knowing that 
its owner would have great difficulty getting it back down again. Often, the only way to get the horse to come back down the stairs was by blindfolding it. But this donkey came steadily in its master's hands. A jockey once commented on this passage by being amazed at Jesus' hands. For he knew his own hands would never control an animal in that setting. Some people think that because he entered Jerusalem on a donkey that he was showing humility. Actually, the mode of transport was saying something quite different. This mode of transport was the traditional way in which a king entered Jerusalem. It was the traditional way, the equivalent of arriving in a limousine with all the flags flying. It's true, however, that the donkey was the animal of peace, while the horse was the animal of war. Those who were looking for Jesus to overthrow Roman rule and set up a, a new kingdom in Jerusalem would have done well to think on that. But all the excitement of the parade, they forgot completely all the things he'd said. It's difficult to know exactly <coughs> what this crowd thought about Jesus. Did they really understand that he was the Son of God, the Messiah of Israel, the Promised One? Or did they merely look upon him as a, a king who would deliver them from Roman rule, from Roman oppression? Were they carried away with the emotion of the hour, like young people in a pop concert. Undoubtedly some of the group were fully and truly trusting in Jesus. But the general impression is that most of the people had no real heart interest in the Lord at all. He was a curiosity. He was an excuse for uh, an excited celebration. He was a diversion from the mundane routine of daily life. An old saying about saying it with flowers, well, palm branches had a meaning, a symbolic meaning. Palm branches were a token of rest, and peace after sorrow. You'll see that in Revelation chapter 7. Unwittingly, the palm branches perhaps also symbolise the events which were to transpire in the next few days. Peace after sorrow. The word Hosanna means save now, we pray you. And putting these thoughts together, it would seem as if the people were acknowledging Jesus 
to the ones sent from God to save them from Roman cruelty and to give them rest and peace after the sorrow of the long years of Gentile oppression. The truth, as we know, is far more significant. As Jesus rode down the hillside and across the Kidron Valley into the city of Jerusalem, he knew that by the end of the week he'd be laid in a tomb, having been crucified and killed in the most horrible way imaginable. And yet he rode calmly down the hillside to meet his appointed destiny. He rose up out of the Kidron Valley and entered the city through the Golden Gates, one of the gates into the city of Jerusalem, the gate through which it was predicted that the Messiah would come. That gate cannot be entered now in Jerusalem, for a Muslim many years ago decided having heard that the Messiah would enter through the Golden Gate, had it bricked up to stop the Messiah ever coming. But of course, he was too late. He was bolting the stable door after the donkey and the Messiah had entered. It's still blocked up to this day. We can't go in that gate. The truth, I say, is far more significant. Jesus was going to his appointed destiny. Jesus' eyes were fixed resolutely towards Jerusalem and towards his death on a cross. But where should our eyes be fixed at the start of this holy week? I believe the writer to the Hebrews gives us the answer. He wrote, Let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, endured the cross, scorning the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Mary looked at Jesus and saw a special friend. The crowds looked at Jesus and saw a political hope. What do we see when we look at Jesus? Do we see him as our Saviour? Do we see the author and perfecter of our faith? Do we see him as the one who endured all of this just for us? Do we love him? Jesus demonstrated his love with outstretched arms up on the cross. Do we trust in him? Thomas, you know, remember doubting Thomas well before this happened, a few days before, when Jesus told his disciples that they were going up to Jerusalem. Thomas 
Thomas said, let's go up and die with him. Thomas showed a trust and commitment to Jesus, often forgotten by those who renamed him Doubting Thomas. Let's never forget that Jesus' death was no accident. It was a part of God's rescue mission for the souls of men and women like you and me. And that those who trust and love Jesus will know forgiveness and new life in him and sit with him close to his father's throne. The crowd welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem, not really understanding what was happening. But we have the opportunity to welcome him into our lives, into our hearts, knowing full well the whole story that the crowd that day didn't know. We can welcome Jesus in a far more meaningful way than the crowds did on the Mount of Olives. We can welcome by saying, come into my heart, Lord Jesus.
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we're now singing our closing hymn, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship, comfort and power of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen.